Stop! You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast. USC 291. What's up guys, it's your boy Fenyo. It's Friday, I'm sorry I'm a bit late. I got a little bit excited <laughs> making my tape study and also dealing with some personal stuff. But we won't get into that because we have a great pay-per-view going on this this week's tomorrow actually. <laughs> it is UFC 291 if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Uh, we have a silly uh, fake title fight. Uh, but it's a great fight. It's Dusty Poirier against Justin Gaethje, the rematch after the fantastic fight they had uh, years ago. And the card is actually solid. Uh, a lot of fun fights. Um, not a lot of super relevant stuff. A few here and there. But, but the matchups seem very well made and it's going to be fun. At least that's what I'm expecting. So let's get into the card, I would say. As usual, guys, we're going by topology order from bottom to top, starting with the very, very first prelim of the night. It's a woman's flyway bout between Miranda Maverick and Priscilla Cachoeira. So, uh, Maverick, she's athletic and compact, uh, active on the feet, she likes to close distance with big strikes and volume. She's a decent kicker as well. Uh, good with transitions, strong in the clinch, and good at finishing leg attack takedowns. She's a solid grappler, aided by her strength. Very heavy from top position and able to scramble if put on her back. Uh, the problem with Maverick is that her striking lacks direction. She doesn't really have like setups for big strikes and mostly relies on like volume and aggression. But it not it is not clear what she wants to accomplish on the feet. She's she mostly like just vibes and throws a lot of volume out there without setting up the big shots that she wants to land. I think she could be a lot more dangerous than she actually is because of the lack of direction. Uh, because she's she's an athletic fighter, she can crack, but she does she just simply doesn't find the, the big strikes. Um Added to that, she's very short for the division and she has uh, trouble getting clean connections because of that. Uh, Maverick can be put on the defensive in grappling exchanges and she can lose time defending on bottom position especially. And on the other hand, we have Cachoeira, uh, stiff but physically very strong. She's a big hitter, especially at 125, one of the biggest punchers in the division. Uh, really lacks salty. Uh, leading especially, but her power allows her to make uh, opponents think twice before doing anything dumb. Uh, she doesn't have a deep countering game, but she throws hard in the pocket and has some defensive skills, especially in the pocket. Uh, she moves her head proactively and uses a high guard and also pretty decent at catching kicks, so watch out for that because Maverick likes to kick a lot. Uh, takedown defense for Cachoeira is fine, especially if she gets uh, underhooks because she's very strong and she's decent in the clinch defending. But she can be taken down when she plants her feet to throw, especially squaring herself up for the big right hand. Uh, not a high level grappler from bottom position, that's always been her weakness. 
Cachuela's physicality, power, and size could all be troublesome for Maverick. Uh, Maverick usually likes being the more athletic fighter inside the cage, and Cachuela is like not nimble and agile, but she's like strong and powerful. Uh, that being said, Maverick is a good wrestler. Uh, she's pretty strong herself, and should be tough enough to hang with Cachuela on the feet until a takedown opportunity arises. Not as clear as I initially thought, but I'm still picking Maverick to win by submission on the second round. Next we have a welterweight bout. Uh, Matthew Semmelsberger welcomes Uros Medish, who is moving up from 155 to 170. So Medish, a uh, lanky striker, as I said, moving up a weight class. Uh, used to be like super tall at 155, that would be less pronounced here at, at welterweight. In fact, he, He's fighting Semmelsberger, who is his same, same height as at least going by build heights. Uh, so Medish is dangerous and quick. Uh, likes the southpaw double attack a lot, but has a, a useful lead hand and a variety of kicks with the right uh, from the right side as well. Uh, has good trigger for counters and decent positioning, and that makes him a threat in the pocket. But his movement can be lacking, and usually retreats in a straight lines. Uh, Medich doesn't have much experience, uh, especially facing adversity inside the cage and haven't looked particularly comfortable facing fellow long strikers and that's something of concern uh, for a guy that is moving up a weight class. The first light of takedown defense is solid, but the grappling I would say is mostly a question mark for Medich. And on the other hand we have Samuelsberger, oh, physical, imposing and powerful, uh, on the stiff side uh, Samuelsberger usually looking, is looking to set up big strikes with feints at range, especially his right hand, very devastating. Uh, he can set up that with the lead hand, with 11 change, or even with chips. He has heavy low kicks, and combinations in the pocket round up his stand-up game. At his best, Samuelsberger is moving forward, because his defense is on the suspect side, especially when he doesn't have the initiative. Uh, the, the head movement, especially when he's not like dictating what's happening, he can stay right in the middle for the taking. Uh, Samuelsberger is a decent wrestler and very aided by his athleticism and, and strength when it comes to wrestling guys. He can snatch single legs from open space or just drive you against the cage, grind a double. Uh, he's solid from top position with heavy ground pound. And the thing with Samuelsberger is that he usually gets tired during fights, but uh, he's he's a veteran, so he he stays composed and carries power late and fights pretty well tired. But something to note. Uh, Medish here is probably a bit more layered uh, and active as a striker, but Samuelsberger comes into the fight with more experience, not only against this level of opposition, but also against people his own size. Uh, the power and wrestling are good advantages to have as a bigger fighter. And I, I just think those are the things that will be too much for the divisional newcomer in Medish. So I'm picking Semmelsberger by second round knockout. Next is a flyweight bout. We have CJ Vergara against Vinicius Salvador. So CJ Vergara, cardio machine, good leg kicks and body kicks from both stances. Uh, good check hook. Uh, he's a good combination puncher when he's pressuring. 
Uh, defense can be lacking uh, both when moving forwards and when being backed up, but can hold his own moving his head and keeping his hands up inside the pocket. So at a neutral ground, I would say his defense is at his best. A strong takedown defense, solid scrambling, help him, especially when he's pushing the pace. Uh, durability, toughness, and cardio are all like his best assets. And he takes advantage of that, especially as fight progresses. And on the other hand, we have Salvador, a very loose and long southpaw striker, decent combination puncher. His money shot is, uh, weirdly enough, a rear left hook. Uh, he swings uh, super wide, but he has big power and good timing with, with it. Uh, not much of a of an overhand or straight left guy. He always is like this very loopy circular hook uh, from the rear side. Uh, his defense can be suspect, but he's very good at rolling with punches. So it's not as not as easy to hurt as you as you would think watching tape initially. Uh, he slows down a little bit, but uh, the thing is that he keeps figuring out openings as the fight goes on. Uh, take that defense is on the suspect side, but he has different uh, decent butterfly hooks and wall walking to get back to his feet, and also like he's aided by. By his length, he's very tall for the division. Uh, Salvador is dangerous and, and to be fair, to be frank, uh, very annoying. And we have the length advantage uh, that he like he usually likes to have. We saw in his last fight against Altamirano. Uh, he was a bit annoyed uh, fighting a guy as tall as him. Uh, Bergara in this fight brings the well-roundness and the pace to wear him out. Um, Make him pay for the sketchy takedown defense. And also like the single-mindedness that Salvador has looking for big hooks. I think CJ is the more versatile fighter for sure. Um, it won't be easy though. I think uh, Bergara will win moments more and more convincingly as the fight goes on. But Salvador might have his own big moments earlier. So could make for a close decision. Uh, but I don't know, I, I gotta go with, with CJ here. Uh, my pick is Bergara by decision. We have a welterweight bout between Jake Matthews and Darius Flowers. So Jake Matthews uh, fights from a blade stance, bouncing, looking to quickly go close distance or sitting back waiting for counters. Jabs, overhands and leaping hooks from both stances are the most common lead attacks he has. But he can also put like short combinations together on the counter, he defaults a lot to the check left hook and will also throw it frequently mid combination and to track opponents on the break, it's, it's become kind of a money shot for him. Uh, solid leg kicks and quick snappy high kicks, uh, he has something of a karate flair going on. Uh, solid clinch game, uh, good elbows and the trips are very good by Matthews. Quick double leg with good timing, he's a decent wrestler overall and good grappler from top position, especially heavy top control. Um, and he had a good series of front headlock chokes, so look out for the guillotine, for the darts, that kind of stuff. On the other hand, we have Flowers, making his UFC debut. Uh, stocky and physically strong, can push forward with combinations or sit back fainting, looking to land something big. Can get pretty sloppy uh, when he gets aggressive, but he has power, and he has sneaky dangerous uppercuts, watch out for that. Uh, Flowers is a good scrambler, a mad wrestler, and he's helped because he's very strong. Uh, but the, the takedown defense and some of his BJJ fundamentals are, are on the sketchy side, uh, watch out for that. 
And the thing with Flowers is that he lacks experience against high-level opponents. Uh, I've seen a lot of fights by Flowers. He has not faced anyone on Matthew's level. Uh, Flowers is a big hitter. Could surprise with that. But other than that, this is like Matthew's fight to lose. He will be the longer, faster, more technical striker inside the cage. And can probably also take Flowers down, so... Uh, and the opposite is not impossible. Uh, Flowers has power, but Matthews by decision is like the obvious pick here. Next fight is contested at middleweight, 185. is Roman Kopilov versus Claudio Hibero. So Kopilov, Salpa striker that finds behind a good jab. He can jab against orthodox or Salpa fighters. He feints and has like decent rhythm manipulation and that allows him to dictate the pace and exchanges that happen. Uh, very sharp 1-2, powerful kicks, especially from the left side, very dangerous kicker. Uh, good at setting kicks with punches and can also punch off kicks. So he has the, the combination thing like figured out. Uh, improved takedown defense from what we first saw in his fights in the UFC. Uh, he changed camps to Dagestan and it's been showing lately. Uh, he fights grips well, digs for underhooks, uh, his defense mostly relies on distance management, um, not a lot of head movement, uh, not a lot of like sharp angles or a very like layered high guard, it's mostly like just going in and out at the right moments and he's especially vulnerable when fleeing exchanges with, with his chin up. Uh, he's very tough but the cardio is not great. Uh, Hibero for his part, uh, athletic, powerful, a lot of heavy naked low kicks. Interesting to see if that is going to work against the Salpa here. Uh, looks to throw big loopy combos on the counter. He has decent uh, timing in the counter despite not having like very great punching mechanics. I mean, n not great punching mechanics in the sense of throwing like tight punches because he for sure gets a lot of weight transfer in those uh, shin up in the air when he's throwing. Physically strong in the clinch, uh, has some semblance about pummeling, circling back to the center of the cage, so it's not that easy to stall him, especially because he's very strong. Uh, he gets to top position, he's heavy there, with big ground and pound, decent control, uh, and the gas tank is not, not great. Uh, Kopilov should have clear advantages as a more refined striker, uh, being a longer salpa. Uh, Hibero obviously always dangerous, he can land when with his athleticism, especially early on. Uh, Kopilov needs to be careful there. But Kopilov is fast himself. He's, he, he's a bit of an athlete too. And uh, his improved wrestling means he will probably dictate where the fight takes place. Uh, both guys gas during fights, but Kopilov does so with a higher work rate, maintains his technique better as the fight goes on. I feel like he better degrades more as he gets tired uh, my pick is Kopilov by second round knockout. We have big boys after that. It's heavyweight. Uh, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, fights Marco Rogerio de Lima. So Lewis, you know, uh, he's losing a step physically and durability-wise as well. Still athletic and dangerous when throwing with big power. Uh, overhands and uppercuts are a specialty. Can keep opponents guessing with a with fast high kicks and bursts of violence. The wrestling defense can be a weakness, but he's surprisingly good at working get-ups. You, you, you all know the memes about 
a Derek Lewis just deciding to get up. Uh, but he actually good timing uh, with decent um, fundamentals in BJJ to get up, and obviously helped immensely by his size and strength. Leg kicks and defense in the pocket have been a weak a weakness as of late. Uh, the cardio is not great, but he has experience to fight tired and carries power late into fights. The Lima, on the other hand, big power with the hands, mostly looks to land uh, two threes, both on the lead and on the counter, vicious leg kicks, and can also change levels to attack the body and head with, with his kicks. The defense is not great, but will throw back hard and tight in the pocket, and that makes him dangerous, the, the mechanics. He has that edge against a lot of heavyweights, especially with the left hook, and that offers him a safety blanket uh, when defending. He's a decent wrestler against the cage, uh, both with body locks and leg attacks. He has solid top control. Uh, but grappling from the bottom is a big weakness for the Lima. He gets very tired working his way back to his feet or gets stuck sometimes. Uh, has been submitted a number, a number of times in the past. Uh, despite being an absolute meme of a fight, uh, I would say this is pretty well matched. Uh, both veterans... And like the Lima on the way up and Lewis on the way down, you would guess, but I think they meet at the right time. Uh, Lewis' aggressiveness and ability to fight tired can win him the fight here, but I think he needs to be careful because his durability is not what once was, and the Lima can crack with both hands. And also, like the Lima won't be afraid to exchange with Derek Lewis as some other fighters. Uh, grappling can get interesting too. Uh, the Lima might be able to wrestle uh, Derek to the mat, but if uh, but if Lewis gets up, uh, the cardio investment might not be worth it for for Marcos. Uh, the Lima's best shot, I would say, is a knockout early, and he has a decent shot at that. But I think Lewis has been losing to a better level of opposition than this. Uh, it's a uh, it's pretty close to a coin. To a contest, to be honest, but I'm picking Derrick Lewis by knockout in the second round here. And with that, we're already at the feature bout of the prelims. It's a welterweight fight between Trevin Giles and Gabriel Bonfim. So Giles, decently athletic, good jabber, though, though his form can fall apart when he puts combinations together. When he's only jabbing, he looks very good at times, but then he tries to put the right hand behind it and he starts shifting, he start, starts losing stance. Uh, for that same reason, uh, Jais has trouble staying out of the clinch. He's well-rounded, but has issues dictating where the fight takes place. Uh, Taking defense against the fence is a weakness, but he's a solid scrambler and over a grappler. I would say he's a decent like mat wrestler as well. If he gets to work behind his jab on the feet or gets top position, he gets to shine uh, because those are like where he's at best. Uh, he's very scrappy and will compete everywhere and has the ability to fight tire and dig deep. And on the other hand, we have Bonfim. Uh, Bonfim likes to stay on the face of his opponent's jabbing. Favors uh, lean back check hook uh, as his go-to counter. And after that, he likes to step in with the right hand or long combinations. He likes to draw counters with the jab or fade back and return with fast combinations. 
Uh, Hev can be stationary during combo, so watch out for that. Uh, he likes to parry a lot of punches, especially straight shots and kicks. He's always ready to parry. Uh, Bonfim seems to be a good grabber. We should reactive takedowns with good timing and has a dangerous front headlock game. Uh, good guillotine. I've seen him hit Darsus. Uh, and also good at defending guillotines. Uh, we saw him hit a Bonflu choke in his contender series fight. Um, unless Bonfim has trouble with the jab here. Uh, he should have a pretty decent edge on the striking. Um, Bonfim is active with his own jab. Even if his his jab is not as layered as Giles is, though he might hit harder with his jab. Uh, the fact that Giles has issues just accepting the fight where his opponent wanted, uh, that Bonfim is a bigger hitter that knows what fight he wants and he looks for it, uh, forces me to side with Bonfim here, so yeah. Bonfim by first round knockout is the pick. Before the main card, I want you guys to remember that the full preview is brought to you by X Marshall. X Marshall is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the Jiu Jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products, including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear, and training equipment. Use code the fight site to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's the fight site, all uppercases, no spaces. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to their mailing list and follow their socials at XMarshallOfficial. So thank you, XMarshallOfficial, for sponsoring this podcast. And with that, we're already on the main card. And uh, it's a welterweight bout. We stay at 170. It's Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland here. Kiesa, Lanky, and awkward Salpao. Usually likes to circle on the outside looking for 1-2s or looking for clinch entries. His defense mostly relies on managing distance or changing levels into clinches. And he can be caught by shots moving backwards, especially because he helps his chin high on the air. Strong clinch wrestler with great variety of takedowns, trips, leg attacks. And once on the ground, he's very good at following scrambles and eventually neutralizing getting to top position. Strong passer, especially from half guard, with heavy shoulder pressure. Uh, back take specialist, very adept at finishing the rear naked choke. The cardio is not great, but he can dig deep looking for takedowns. And if it if it stays on the ground, he can do that like all night. It's the striking that gets a bit sketchy um, when he gets tired. On the other hand, we have Holland, annoyingly long striker from distance variety of kicks and straight punches. Uh, he's as his most vulnerable when he closes distance without moving his head. He puts long combinations together in the pocket and has surprisingly good defense in the pocket. Moving his head and guarding with his forearms and shoulders. Uh, better defense in the pocket than he does at range. Very weird for a tall guy like him. Uh, when Holland moves forward, he ends up in the clinch a lot because he usually breaks stance. Uh, but in the clinch, he's good at framing and finding strikes, uh, especially during breaks. Uh, good with elbows, with long punches as guys are retreating. Uh, watch out for that Kiesa retreats with his chin up. Uh, Holland is good at using his length to defend takedowns too, especially with the Wizard. Uh, but he can be taken down by good entries in open space. Uh, Holland is a constant scrambler, very annoying to deal uh, from with uh, when he's on the bottom. But he can be controllable if you are a good enough top 
uh, player. I think this fight comes down to the ability of Kiesa to take Holland down and Holland's ability to scramble. Uh, Kiesa has been a solid wrestler at 170 and has good results against uh, those opponents who resemble Holland the most. I mean Magni and Condit, who not only have like similar dimensions to to Holland, but also are like uh, like high uh, intensity scramblers. So those are very good precedents for Kiesa. A lot of fights, uh, a lot of guys that face Holland do not get to. It's the first time that they fight like this super long scrambler. So Kiesa has some experience there, and he's long himself. That always helps. Uh, Holland, for his part, has shown to be harder to take down and control at 170. Obviously, he's stronger now relative to the division. On the feet, Holland should have an advantage, but he's hitable and won't enjoy uh, a leg advantage as big as he usually does here. Uh, not a clear-cut pick, but I think I gotta go with Kiesa because he's just good at neutralizing this kind of grappler. We've seen it in the past. And... He's just one step above as a wrestler from the guys that Holland has been fighting at 170. My pick is Kiesa by decision. Next is a lightweight bout between veterans. Tony Ferguson Al Kukui fights Bobby King Green. So let's begin with Tony. Despite very diminished reflexes and speed, he's still a tricky customer on the feet. Uh, heavy kicks, sneaky combination punching inside the pocket. While his timing and precision are not at, at his peak, uh, fighters still need to be careful, especially of his elbows and the hooks during exits. The decay on his physicality mostly exposes him when he gets out of position, as he doesn't have the vision and speed to bail out of those situations. As easily as before, we all remember Tony like exposing his back during combinations a lot in the past, and then just like coming back with the spinning elbow, rolling on the floor, that kind of funky stuff, that it's getting harder to do. Uh, so those bad habits are coming back to bite him. And that has been mostly being exposed in wrestling exchanges as well. I think his reflexes defending takedowns have taken a big hit. Uh, you can tell, and he was always like funky defending uh, takedowns. He was more of a mad wrestler than a, than a stand-up wrestler. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's looking easier than ever to take him down. Uh, the grappling has also seemed to have taken a hit. Uh, as, as I said, the, the reactions on the takedowns. And also, he's not as quick to scramble and to look for submissions from guard. So, uh, he always had been somewhat controllable in the mat. But, but yeah, his scramble ability seems diminished nowadays. And on the other hand, we have Green. Uh, Green, I would say, also losing a bit of a step. Uh, I think he didn't look too great against Gordon. Uh, Green is a slickster. He's all about straight shots and defending with his shell guard and taking an angle. Uh, he's disjointed but very skilled everywhere. Uh, Green is a decent kicker, a good clincher, both as a striker with elbows and knees and also as a wrestler. Uh, he's a good mat wrestler and a scrambler. Uh, the thing with Green is that he can be overwhelmed by pace. Uh, you can get Green to focus too much on defense. Or he can get surprised with changes of faces. Like, Green can do it all. He can wrestle, he can strike in the clinch, he can strike at, at range, he can box in the pocket. But he sometimes gets too focused in a single area. So you can surprise him, like changing the, 
changing the face of the fight. Uh, Green has decent cardio and he's tough, but he can lose focus during fights. You can tell he he starts like going too hard at certain ideas. Uh, I think that's that's what prevented I think Green at his best to to reach uh, the higher highs is that. Uh, he has trouble dictating where fights take place and then he loses focus even when he gets the fight that he wants. He's very, very skilled and athletic, but he lacks that that intention to his game. Uh, Prime versus Prime, the pace and greediness of Ferguson would have been his most valuable asset here. Uh, both fighters are similarly skilled everywhere. Even if they have like super different approaches, I think both are super well-rounded, can do it all. Ferguson, even to this day, is the more damaging fighter, I think, via the blown force of his strikes. But Bobby is dangerous, especially with his speed and his accuracy. And the faltering reflexes of Ferguson might give him the opening here to inflict big damage. I do not expect them to wrestle a lot here, but they seem fairly well-matched. Uh, both as wrestlers and grapplers. It's, to be honest, it's a lot closer than I thought before watching tape, but I think Green has a bigger chance of an early KO, and if it goes long, it might be close, but I'm not expecting the current version of Tony Ferguson to like push an aggressive face or fight the adjustments he needs. Um, I think it might be closer than people think, I mean, it might give people some some hope about Tony Ferguson, but I think uh, Bobby Green by decision is the pick here. And we're back to welterweight. We have an absolute meme of a fight. Uh, Stephen Wonder's boy Thompson's fights Michelle Pereira. So Wonder Boy, you know Wonder Boy, the karate kid. He usually likes to mirror his opponent to fight from open stances. From there, he keeps a uh, long distance, uh, using linear strikes, jabs, rear strikes. Uh, sidekicks, the sidekick especially from Orthodox, he likes to throw a lot. Lightning quick roundhouse kicks uh, do the bulk of the damage for him. His constant fading, output and variety make him hard to predict and ensure that he will land with regularity. His footwork in open space is clean, especially when he's leading as he makes sure to take angles after attacks and has good shot selection based on his positioning. On the back foot, things can get a bit more sketchy. Uh, his mechanics don't really allow him to make uh, small steps. And he favors sidestepping instead of pivoting all the time. Uh, Wonderboy had good counters, uh, especially when he's making fighters close to the long distance that he enforces, especially with the stiff rear strides from both stances. Uh, his movement when he blitzes and when he forces back are his biggest weaknesses. And as of late, his former very strong defense, uh, takedown defense, excuse me, has taken a hit. And on the other hand, we have Pereira, the meme lord himself. Uh, big, very dynamic. Uh, Pereira, the thing is that he has some skills in every phase, <clears throat> but he mostly fights with tricks instead of fundamental skills. Um, he has a good jab and left hook but he cannot really use them to dictate the pace, so he mostly fights on the outside trying to move people into big shots. Uh, strength and physicality help him defending takedowns, and he has very solid top control. he's very solid as a uh, top controlling grappler. The biggest issue with Pereira is that he gasses with all the big movements he does, even when fighting at a medium pace, he will still gas. 
Uh, defense is unstructured. He can move his head and his feet well, but he's very inconsistent with it. Like sometimes he gets into like head movement mode. Um, he actually can move his head like decently well. He has decent mechanics to move his head. Uh, he also takes good angles sometimes. Uh, I've seen him pivot here and there, but he he doesn't have like ingrained in his brain to do those things all the time. I think that's the biggest flaw for Pereira more than getting tired and all is that his defense is not consistent. So people just have success trying stuff uh, time and time again. Uh, so with the prediction, Pereira has a better shot than most fighters against Wonderboy because he has similar length, has the ability to close distance quickly. And I think he probably understands some of the uh, stylistic elements of Wonder Boy's games uh, better than most guys, at least, because uh, he likes to flirt with that, like, Ponzi Karate style here and there. Uh, Wonder Boy here would be well advised to move forwards. Um, I think he's pretty decent at pressuring. He should do it more, especially uh, when guys just concede the initiative. And I think Pereira will here. And, and I think uh, Wonderboy not only needs to put a pace on Pereira, but also like make him move and make him uncomfortable to make him gas. Pereira has a decent shot uh, just to land something huge uh, because Wonderboy is clearly aging. He's been hurt and been taken down more than ever before in his last few fights. But we've seen Pereira have closer fights with fighters with much less resources and cardio than Wonderboy. So yeah, I mean, uh, Wonderboy Bad Decision is my final pick. And we are at the Cobain event already. Damn, I, have I been talking too fast? I don't know guys, uh, it's better than this is not super long because you only have like one day to listen to this. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, this being like not super long is a good thing. And let's move on to the fight. Yeah, we have a light heavyweight bout between Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Pereira. Interesting fight. Uh, let's begin with Pereira here. Uh, former elite kickboxer, as all of you probably know by now. A very tall, fights from an upright stance. He has quick snappy kicks and a very stiff jab. He does his best work as a combination puncher. The defense inside the pocket consists mostly on distance management. Uh, he takes like in and out steps. Uh, he also has like lean backs and he's pretty decent at hiding behind his shoulders, uh, surprisingly I would say. But he can get reckless uh, in throwing combinations with his defense, but he's a ferocious puncher with great mechanics, uh, good shot selection, good timing. Obviously the left hook is his signature strike, but he, got, he packs power as well in the right hand. Uh, he can throw like a super straight laser right hand and he can also throw like a tight hook that it's very similar to his left hook so he's very dangerous with the punch variety. Pereira has great ability to throw knees and sneaking them into high guards. Uh, he can like close distance leaping with them at range or he can mix them up uh, during combinations as well so he's very tricky with that. Uh, Pereira as long as he's striking he has very decent cardio I would say. Uh, but he is still a work in, pro in progress as a grappler and as a wrestler. Uh, but his footwork and athleticism and size all allow him to defend telegraph takedowns. And he has very good balance in the clinch uh, when he's being responsible. 
uh, his opponent, Jan Blachowicz, a awkward Swiss stance kickboxer, fights behind a stiff jab. Uh, the jab is not very deep, like he doesn't play a lot with the with the rhythm, with the intensity, but but it builds the foundation of his style. Uh, he controls distance with the jab and reset exchanges with it. Uh, it looks like a one-note jab, but actually he knows how to do quite a few things with it. Uh, Jan is a dexterous kicker from both stances and is also an adept kick defender, one of his most particular uh, skill sets when it comes to MMA. Very rare that a guy is good at defending kicks. Uh, he's very good at catching kicks and also at checking kicks, uh, both low and middle and high. He's actually a guy that knows how to deal with kicks. Uh, Jan likes to fight at a slow pace uh, to, and he likes to look like to set things up. He can counter with the check hook, especially from the left side. Uh, he's very good at attacking with kicks during resets and can also close distance with shifting blitzes. Uh, these shifting blitzes can get very sloppy sometimes, but they allow him to cover distance with big power. He can also punctuate those blitzes with kicks. Uh, Jan is not a very technical wrestler, but he can time good takedowns and he's a physically imposing figure that will complete takedowns with clean entries. Uh, Jan is a solid grappler from top position, can work, uh, can stay on top, landing ground and pound and has some good submissions too. Uh, he has been suspect on his back, to be quite honest. Uh, he has been easy to maintain on his back, but I doubt we will see a lot of that here. Uh, this one is very hard to predict. Pereira will show into this fight uh, once again as the taller, longer fighter. Maybe not as pronounced as he usually does, but we have to remind that Pereira is coming from fighting Adesanya twice. And Adesanya is... Quite a bit taller than, than Jan. Fights probably longer too. Talking about Adesanya, a lot of the skills that Blachowicz showed in that fight will come in handy here. The jab, the leg kicks, the kick defense and the ability to time takedowns are all things that Blachowicz should be looking for in this fight for sure. The jab is interesting because uh, Easy has a more technical and nuanced uh, jab. Uh, but Adesanya struggle with the heavy stiff, stiff jab than Jan possesses. And Pereira is a very similar jabber to, to Blachowicz in that sense, that they have this big stiff jab. Uh, leg kicks will probably be more available against Alex than against Easy. I mean, Easy very heavy on the front foot, but he's still very mindful. I feel like Pereira doesn't mind eating leg kicks here and there. Uh, Pereira, very heavy leg kicks of his own and Jan is good at defending so interesting to see what happens there. Uh, the two main factors coming into this fight are one the ability for Jan to take to get takedowns and two how exchanges in the pocket will play. Even though evidence suggests uh, Easy is a better grappler than Pereira I think uh, Pereira will show up to this fight being larger and stronger than Easy. I think uh, Easy showed up to, to 205 like at his at his middle weight size. I think Pereira is going to fill up his frame a little bit more. And um, my surprise with his size here. Uh, the other thing is that Pereira is a strong clincher with good balance. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect improvements from that 
area, in the grappling area from him, especially with all the training he's doing with Glover. And uh, we also have to remember, he only ended up in bottom position uh, because of a mistake of his own against Alessandra. And has showed basic fundamentals to get up in previous fights. Obviously not against a guy the size of Jan and Jan, a decent uh, top player. At the end of the day, what decided the fight for me is that Pereira's boxing style is a lot more punishing for Jan than Isis. While Isis likes to use his distance to force people to close the gap, outposition them there to win exchanges, or also likes to carefully set up strikes from distance, Pereira is more like content to bang it out inside and he's a bigger combination puncher. I think that transfers better to this division. Um, and also like uh, Easy is obviously a good puncher with both hands, uh, but he's a more dominant from the right side. And I think uh, uh, Blackbridge always the weakness has been in the pocket, uh, seeing strikes from the left side and Pereira with that, with that huge, I mean from the right side of Blachowicz, excuse me, uh, Pereira having the huge left hook could be the deciding factor here. I think I'm taking a gamble here. I uh, Maybe Jan just wrestles him and I look like an idiot, but I'm picking Pereira by second round knockout here. And we're finally at the main event for the fake title, the BMF title, <laughs> but it's a great fight. Uh, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gagey meet once again inside the octagon. So I won't describe both fighters. I'm guessing everyone knows who these two are. So let's talk about what has changed since their, since their first fight. I think Gagey has certainly become a better counterpuncher, especially with his left hook. And he has fought a less pressuring style with a more measured, measured approach lately, while still managing to get into brutal wars if the opposition requires it. Uh, Dustin has become a very defensive fighter, I would say, and he also became a leg kicker himself for his fight with McGregor. So that would maybe give him new insight on how to approach uh, Gagey this time around. I think both have improved and changed, but I think Dustin's improvement have been a bit more lineal, where Justin has changed his game a bit while still maintaining his essence as a fighter. It's also worth noting that neither of them are getting any younger, and I would say it's fair, It's safe to say that both are a bit past their physical primes by now. Though the decline hasn't been as big as you would expect from guys who fight like these two do, you know? <laughs> and with the amount of punishment that they have taken. There's a lot of guesses to make here. Uh, Durability-wise, especially, uh, we've seen Poirier take enormous hits in fights against Hooker, Connor, Oliveira, and he has taken all of them shockingly well. He was only rocked uh, like bad by Chandler in a sequence that began with a headbutt, and you know, like the shots that you don't see coming, especially illegal ones, are the ones that hurt the more. Uh, Gage on his side has looked more horrible, I would say having been visibly rocked or dropped by Oliveira, by Chandler, by Tony, uh, since he fought Dustin for the last time. Cardio-wise, both guys seem to still be there. Uh, are still expect to outlast, outlast fighters when digging deep is needed. For Justin, uh, the key here, I would say, is not to not abandon the leg kicks. If he wants to build uh, the whole thing around them, 
like in the first fight, that's fine. But if he wants to sit back and look for counter opportunities, the leg kicks will still be a very valuable tool. The left hook for Justin, especially if he gets a read on when Dustin will throw hard, could be a deciding factor too. But also uppercuts. Uppercuts are especially good because they are good with, uh, at dealing with Dustin's stonewall guard. On Dustin's side, more body work than in the first time for sure. He had good success uh, the, uh, the first fight with body work, but the volume uh, to the body wasn't high enough. Justin is probably harder to hit to the head with his improved head movement uh, than before, and he's also a better counter puncher, so... But the body is still there, so that should be a good focus for Dustin. Uh, even with Justin improvements, he still swings wide and wild, and Dustin is also a better counter puncher now than when they fought the first time. If he can find Justin overextending or intercept him mid-combination, it could be all over. Transition work? also gives uh, poorer options here. Even if he couldn't outright wrestle uh, the former American in KG, every time Dustin tried to wrestle or clinch, he got some damage out of it and kept Justin on his toes. Uh, this one is very hard to predict for me, uh, especially because uh, Justin's uh, change of style uh, Changed uh, the matchup a significant amount, uh, but also like you can never know when he could like just revert back to pressure in Justin. Uh, a lot of questions regarding where both fighters are right now in their careers. Uh, they are the same age. Uh, Dustin is just younger by two months, uh, but Poirier has more fights. But also there's an argument that KG has taken more damage in his career, but it's impossible to tell. And also you gotta consider all the training camps. So, any of the two could show up on the fight night looking more past it than that we are expecting lately. And the matchup will always be close, just because of how tough and skilled both guys are. Um, into this fight, uh, I always felt like this new Justin style was uh, more forgiving for, for Dustin, and Dustin won the first time. So, I felt like Dustin was always the obvious pick for me. But also, like, uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge Poirier fan, uh, maybe my, my favorite fighter. And, and I did not want to pick with the heart here, as I've uh, done in the past, but trying to be objective here and it's hard, I think it's still the pick that I have to make. Uh, it's anyone's fight, but if I need to put my money somewhere, I'm picking Dustin Poirier by third round knockout. And that's the final word on it <laughs> and that's it that's it uh fun pay-per-view very fun should be should be fun to watch um uh, relevant fights i think the the main event is relevant uh even though it makes uh, people super mad that these guys keep fighting each other instead of like fighting their rank guys but i think it's still a relevant fight uh, these guys are still up there um and the co-main also an important fight uh, important because Pereira could announce himself as a new force in the division and Blachowicz probably fighting for the title if he wins here Pereira maybe too so it has big implications other than that um, not a lot of important things uh, so fights to watch here uh, Semmelsberger versus Medish is probably going to be a banger 
Vergara versus Salvador, I expect to be exciting. Um, Kovilov versus Ribeiro, they are gonna bang. Uh, I doubt Derek Lewis versus Marco Rogério de Lima will be boring, but but be careful with that one. It could suck very well. Trevin Giles versus Bonfim is going to be exciting. Most likely, I do not think Bonfim is capable of being in boring fights. Uh, and the main card is all, everything is is like colorful at least. Uh, Kiesa versus Holland, uh, even if they go to the ground, it's going to be exciting. Ferguson versus Green uh, could be depressing if uh, Bobby kills him like super early, or then that should be a good one. Uh, Wonderboy versus Pereira could get frustrating, but I'm guessing it's going to be exciting and fun to watch. Blachowicz versus Pereira is going to to be very good, unless like Blachowicz just can't find takedowns and <laughs> just top controls Pereira. Who knows? Who knows? And the main event, uh, if there's one fight that it cannot be boring, is this one. This one is going to rule. It's going to be crazy. We all saw the first fight. We all have seen all the fights these guys have been since, and they all been super good. So, so yeah. Uh, that's the pay-per-view. It's it's a good one. It's a good one. And I think with that, uh, we're done with the podcast. Thank you, guys. I'm sorry I'm so late. I hope you have time to listen to this. I know a lot of you uh, wait for this one in particular. Uh, thank you for being... For supporting my work. It means a lot to me. Uh, the full preview requires a lot, a lot of work. Uh, I watch so much tape for this. Uh, sorry if sometimes uh, I don't go as deep as you guys want into fights. Uh, if you have any feedback, please let me know. I'm available on Twitter and on Discord. You can just DM me. We can have a chat about the podcast or anything you want, guys. Uh, thank you again. Remember to support the fight site on Patreon. On Patreon, you can get access to a lot, a lot of exclusive content that we have. We have a huge backlog of exclusive content and you have, and you also get access to our Discord server full of cool people. You can talk about fighting and other stuff. So yeah, remember to support the fight site on Patreon. Uh, follow me on Twitter, guys, uh, at FenoXSky. Uh, I post tons of clips, especially when doing research for the pod. I'm going to be making a... Uh, thread with all the clips that I compiled during the week and yeah that's it thank you so much guys hope you enjoyed the pod uh, see you on Monday with my reactions uh, of the pay-per-view on the full on the yearly films podcast I'm Fenio and I'm signing out thank you guys <laughs>